0: For joining us on 1991 Movie Rewind. Delicatessen takes place in a rundown apartment building in a post-apocalyptic world where grains have become currency and the meat from the downstairs butcher shop is a luxury experience. A new arrival to the complex, Louison, played by Dominique Pinon, throws off the delicate balance of their ecosystem and now the tenants want to put him on the chopping block. Screenplay by Jean-Pierre Junet, Marc Caro, and Gilles Adrian, directed by Marc Caro and Jean-Pierre Junet. And released in France on April 17th, 1991. Have you seen Delicatessen before?
1: Yes, I have.
0: I did as well, a long time ago. Did not remember much of it.
1: Same here, but <laughs> I, I watched this like 20 years ago when I had French class in college and as like a extra credit i guess we we were told we can watch like french movies after class and i was like okay and it was this one and city of lost children
0: did you have to write reports on no them, we just you watched just, it just stay and watch we just stayed <laughs> and
1: watch and i was like yeah i like movies i'll watch a french movie yeah and yeah i kind of got these two confused
0: yeah, I mean that makes sense. Um, they're very similar in tone. I don't remember much about City of Lost Children at all either. But I mean, in terms of like color palette, they're gonna be very same. Yeah, and then you know the the, they style. have like the
1: same people in it. And then I remember mm-hmm. like the water because I know.
0: Yeah, there's ground elements. To both. Yeah,
1: yeah, Dominique Pinon, he's like a diver, and then that's all I really remember. was like him underwater.
0: Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, I probably watched both of these around the same time as well. Maybe a little bit earlier. I don't know. Um, when I worked at the video store, you know, that's when I tried to explore as much as I possibly could. And so, yeah, I was like trying to go for the foreign films that I knew had some sort of pedigree or, you know, cult status behind them. And so I went after those and mm-hmm. watched them um, and didn't remember much after words other than yeah it's quirky and interesting but I, you know it didn't grab my attention the way that like let's say Amelie did you know right I mean
1: I ago, like when I ago. watched them I was like these movies are amazing <laughs> when I watched it after uh, like when I was in college I was like oh the... and it's like the only French movies I remember watching growing up was like La Femme Nikita or something mm-hmm. and that was like it
0: yeah I mean that makes sense. People our age don't typically, or you know, (laughs) what our age would have been at that time, don't typically get to see a whole lot of foreign movies. I was like early twenties,
1: and I was starting to finally watch other movies and like yeah, I was broadening my horizons. Or in the like late teens, early twenties is when I was like, okay, I'm gonna start watching like independent movies or foreign movies.
0: Yeah, and this is one of them. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it it's very quirky, sometimes quirky for quirkiness' sake. Um, I don't know if that's a bad thing. Uh, it can be effective at times, but uh, overall, in this movie, I don't know. I mean, what what was your perception coming back to it?
1: I I I really like this movie. Like a lot. It's uh, it just brought me back to I was like oh okay like I mean I like the director and I like the majority of his movies, his sense of humor.
0: Tons, yeah. I've only seen like three, I guess overall. Oh no, I guess I have seen a very long engagement as well. Yeah,
1: I've seen I've seen four of his movies (laughs) and (laughs) I like them
0: all. (laughs) The The one I don't think I've seen is Alien Resurrection.
1: No, yeah, but that's a different thing altogether. (laughs) Yeah, it's
0: not like his movie. Yeah, it's not his, like, uh, it's like a
1: black, like these black comedies. Like, it's dark humor I like.
0: Yeah. I I wanted more substance and world building in this. So, I mean, obviously there's a, a cast of quirky characters and interesting things are going on. And visually it's very dynamic and stunning and... Um, rhythmically it's that way too but I didn't get immersed in the world because I didn't fully know what was happening in this world Um, you know I mentioned in the summary that it's a post-apocalyptic I pretty much only know that from reading other people's descriptions you know like the summaries that are like part of you know the press materials and also there's maybe like halfway through when that postman comes in for the first time Mm-hmm. He's talking about, um, some of the horrors that lie outside the building. You know, talking about, like, this yeah, war what's going with the on vermin and, and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah,
1: it's going on in the city. Uh, yeah. I'm assuming that that's Paris. Like, it's worse out in the city than wherever they are.
0: But, I mean, They're kind
1: of, like, in the middle of nowhere. Because it's, like, only their building and then really nothing else.
0: That's, that's the impression that we get. Um... But it could easily have just taken place in that building without the post-apocalyptic thing and been basically the exact same story almost um so yeah i mean i wish i would have had a little bit more background as to what the apocalypse was who are they fighting is it just these troglodyte people who are in the sewers that's like against the regular people i don't know i'm thinking that it's
1: just like the end of the world and you know kind of like climate change you know there's like no I mean there's like no livestock anymore there's like not even grass it's just like dirt and air <laughs> I don't maybe I mean, I, I, that's don't what I was us, like right? it, I mean and then it's very hard for them to get any sort of food even though the troglodyte people they're like the vegetarians And even um, Louison, he was like, I don't eat meat. But it's like the only non-meat things to eat is either like the beans or corn. And it's like, there's no other produce to be
0: eaten. Yeah, I mean, some of that Because it's
1: probably too hard to grow. Because I think, I mean, water obviously exists, but it's like maybe it's hard to keep... The crops growing I don't know
0: <laughs> I, I really don't know and, and it's That's,
1: I I was just assuming it's like almost the end of the world because of like climate change it could be like there was a war and you know
0: I mean yeah they talk about a war and vermin and stuff but I, I I don't know to the extent of how things are because you know um there's the 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 tapioca family uh-huh. right And he doesn't have a job, and he's expected to get one, so he can have money or grains or whatever to trade for whatever. So, I mean, there's obviously some commerce going on. There's obviously some bartering that's going on. There's obviously jobs that need to take place other places than in the building that are happening, Mm -hmm. right? So, because when um, Louis Song comes in, he is... The handyman around the building. Yeah. Why couldn't that have just been Mr. Tapioca? Because he didn't have a job. He needed to work. He could have done that. Unless that role is specifically for people to sacrifice for meat.
1: That's what I assumed.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, the fact that we have to kind of put these things together ourselves well, is a they little don't, bit of a detriment I think
1: that Yeah. The more you learn, you're like, these people that live in that apartment, they're safe. They will not get eaten. So it just kind of.
0: But we don't know why. We don't know, like, how far. I think maybe of the, the butcher guy was like, I'll, I'll
1: make you a deal. I'm not going to kill any of you, you people. And you can live in my building, but you still have to pay rent somehow.
0: Yeah, there's still, yeah, there's still agreements that basically, you know, there's rules in the building which are not fully outlined, but basically if the rules are not followed, then people have to be sacrificed, or if you can't pay, then you have to sacrifice a family member, and they're going to get cut off the meat to give to the other residents, but we don't, we don't know all those rules, and it's not like we need to have a list, we don't need to have, you know, somebody go through them one by one in a narration or anything, but, um, I just would have liked to know more about the outside world that would cause that situation to be taking place in this building.
1: I Yeah, I just assumed it's a post-apocalyptic world. like this. Yeah, I, mean,
0: I just want to know more about the apocalypse and what else is like happening what outside the building.
1: these people to live this way.
0: Right. This Yeah, why I mean, did some of them retreat into the sewers and why did some of them just hole up in a building? Obviously, there's still people like the postman and the cab driver who are freely moving around. Right. Um. There there may be some sort of commerce that's happening as well because, you know, those two tenants of the building are making those little cow sound toys.
1: Yeah, they're making toys and, like, that's their job. So is
0: there really children? a market for that in a post-apocalyptic world? I don't,
1: maybe that's the only toy available for kids. <laughs> I don't know. That. But it, you don't see them sell it. You see no, them make it all make throughout it. the entire movie. Right. And then kind of test them.
0: Yeah, we don't see anybody leave the building except but they to probably, go in the sewers. And so that's why like the questions are in my head.
1: They probably use the mailman as their way of selling them. I don't know. <laughs> right, maybe. But, I mean, that's their way into the outside world. Maybe they're too afraid to steer away from that building because something would happen to them like, A, it turned into meat.
0: Yeah, I'm not saying you're wrong about any of this stuff. I just wish (laughs) the movie told me more.
1: uh, Oh, yeah. And then they're afraid of these sewer people, but it's like these sewer people just want to, like, help the other people (laughs) above ground.
0: Well, they only want to help the people above ground because they're going to get paid in that stash of corn that the butcher is hoarding. Mm. Um, So, I mean... It seems like the people who are underground are also equally afraid of the surface dwellers. Yeah, they're you know, afraid so.
1: of each other, but yeah, I mean, but I don't... know. we don't know if we there's a threat
0: to both of them or not. Right. We don't know. There's,
1: there's like, a...
0: There's posters and whatnot, but we don't get to see anything other than... Because
1: they're probably kind of, like, I don't... We can get into, like, this whole thing where it's, like, the meat eaters versus the vegetarians or vegans or something. It's, like, some weird... You're either this or you're not. And then it's like the, um, whoever is broadcasting whatever's on TV is probably like putting fear into the quote meat eaters and saying, you know, beware of the vegetarians. I don't know. (laughs) Then they're called, they're the troglodytes and they all live underground because I don't know if they come back up into the world. They're probably afraid of being sacrificed to be served as meat. I don't know.
0: Right. And that's the that's my whole point is you don't know. And, like, you're making assumptions of what's being broadcast on TV that's instead of just... the movie showing us what right. could, you know okay. what I mean? That's what, that's what I'm saying. Like, we have to create these scenarios in our head to fill in the gaps that the movie left. And that's one of my major problems with it. Um
1: I I guess it's just, like, ambiguous and just, like, up to us to not figure it out, but to just be like, this is how it is.
0: Yeah, I just wish it wasn't that way. Mm. I I, mean, this... It doesn't have to go full bore on it, but, I mean, you know, give us a little bit more. I want a little bit more context. Build the world a little bit. You have the time to do so. I was
1: kind of... I was fine with it once I got it. And, I mean, this atmosphere also, I know you haven't seen this movie, but it's similar to, like, Eraserhead, Mm. where it seems like it is a post-apocalyptic world, and it's, like, that same, like, grain, it's all, like, foggy, even though, like, Eraserhead's black and white. But you can tell it's all foggy and then it's like very industrial and it's like yeah it either very... you work here and then you live here you work live work live and then yeah. that's all they show they don't show like why they're there or why they're doing anything
0: yeah the 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 world itself when they see any sort of external shots is very orange very brown i mean the, yeah. the internal shots are also that way but there's more like reds and greens in there too um and it yeah the city has something of a minor steampunk vibe yeah to it uh it's probably yeah just that industrial side of things and you know the haze of the the orange and the industrial waste or whatever is clogging up the air or whatever so um but that goes away near the end like you know we do get to see some blue in the sky at the end for the quote-unquote happy ending (laughs) as happy of an ending as he could possibly be and I think that would have helped the ending too to understand like what kind of other threats they still have to face even though whatever threat that happened in the building is gone like you know I don't know it it would have provided more context to the ending too Um, but yeah visually this movie uh, is great you know you have the you have the, the the muted color palette which works for what you're working with um it's very terry gilliam like to me yeah Uh, a lot of fisheye lens or you know like mild fisheye lens uh camera work a lot of tilted cameras you get like diagonal shots and stuff like that and um
1: i think filling the
0: frame with visual interest virtually at all times
1: I think when this movie was from what i read about this movie it was when it was presented to the united states it was presented by terry gilliam oh when it was released in north america
0: so he yeah so he probably uh, he probably saw it it and was like
1: i'm gonna present this to the americas
0: that's not yeah that makes sense that that works um but i i would have not be surprised if Junet uh had Gilliam as a as a major influence to oh, yeah. his his work there. Um, and again that's not a bad thing. You know, I, I like that level of creativity. Uh, I like how he played with the there wasn't a whole lot of sound in it, but when there was like Digenic music from, you know, playing on the T V like the Hawaiian song or whatever else, you know, they they played with the rhythm of the songs that appeared mm-hmm. with the visuals in the show so like you know he's trying to fix the the squeaky bed while that hawaiian song is playing and yeah. he's doing it in rhythm and they're bouncing on the bed to find out what spring it is on the rhythm and right. there's like a couple sequences like that too where you know everyone's just kind of like in sync with each other and right uh that's with that's really night fun night. to watch too i think it also sort of has a vibe of like a 90s alternative video if you want to uh, yeah, if you're like not if someone's wa- listening yeah <laughs> yeah if someone listening is not too familiar with Terry Gilliam's work for you know uh if you were alive in the 90s and saw alternative videos it does have that sort of feel uh, a lot of grittiness a lot of you know everything is sort of run down and dirty as well um the frequent cuttings the playing with the speed of the camera to match the the music that's behind whatever is happening sometimes and stuff like that definitely had a very 90s feel to me it started the trend maybe i don't know maybe a lot of uh video directors you know the nine inch nails directors and you know Oh like the graininess yeah yeah maybe Maybe. they took uh, advantage inspiration from this one thing that, you know, you kind of learn as we go along is that Louison uh, used to be a clown in his previous life. And now he's working as a handyman in this building. Um, and we kind of get that revelation. I don't know if it's really a revelation, but we get that plot point maybe about like halfway through. But before that happens, uh, we see him like playing with bubbles and, you know, he's Yeah, we don't know that he's a clown and stuff like that. We don't know
1: he's a clown until he reveals that he's a clown to
0: Julie. And it's not really like a hidden plot point. It's not like a revelation in terms of, you know, Oh my gosh, this changes everything.
1: Yeah, when he moves into the building you see him take all the stuff out of his trunk.
0: The, The cab, yeah. Yeah.
1: And you see his shoes, and you can tell that they're kind of clowny, and then he takes all these, like, stuff out of his trunk, and it's like, you know, clapping monkeys and stuff like that.
0: Yeah, he's like a good so mechanical like, monkey thing.
1: So you can be like, oh, okay. You can put two and two together. Yeah.
0: Yeah, if you're paying more attention than I did. Uh, oh, uh, okay. Yes, <laughs> you could definitely put two and two together. Um,
1: like, oh, this guy was a clown, or is, or whatever. But it's, it's like I don't know if he was a clown. See, I don't. This is I know where. Things weren't explained, but it was like. He stops being a clown because his, quote, partner, which Mm -hmm. was a monkey, Mm -hmm. was eaten. Yes. So, but he was also on TV a lot because you know they show the people in the apartment building watching him perform a show at some casino at some time yeah but we don't like I don't know how many years ago that was like what was it like a month ago or what like 10 years ago what but I don't know I mean he basically just says you know I stopped being a clown when my partner was eaten right
0: and at that time we don't know it's a monkey yeah
1: we don't know it's a monkey and then he tells I mean, he becomes like very close with the butcher's daughter, Julie. Kind of early on. Which and is
0: also kind of a reveal later on that that she's the father daughter yeah. relationship, yeah.
1: Because they don't really have a father daughter relationship like at all.
0: No. Yeah, the she's only the only time they like get any there. sort of insinuation <laughs> is when like the the postman is trying to like basically hit on yeah her. like sexually assaulting her in a, in a sense and, and the butcher's like no she's mine yeah but, I mean that could be like a bad subtitle translation but that's what it said Yeah. On the it's, screen it's like no like, this no girl's mine she's my daughter but yeah she doesn't it doesn't say daughter at the time it yeah. just says mine and we already know that the butcher will sleep with other tenants as their rent payment so you kind of like I don't know the impression I got was okay he's just he's just taking all these women as like a harem ah. Uh, and later on it's like oh well that's that's, that's your daughter. that's what he yeah. meant by she's, she's mine. mine yeah it wasn't clear from the subtitles and again i don't know if that's a translation thing or if that's just you know, like it's meant purposeful to, yeah. reveal later on i don't know
1: but it just seems like i mean there's the other women in the building is you know the mother of the uh two children that are in that building the tapioca mom again yeah. they, they don't really say and, their and, first names It's and like the Mr. in that family yeah it's like mr and mrs tapioca and then the her mother the grandma and then mm-hmm. you have the
0: uh, yeah interligator aurora
1: aurora, aurora. yeah
0: um, and I mean, then, yeah, and then there's uh, should, yeah, yeah Miss Plus, Miss Plus, Plus. Plus
1: Mademoiselle Plus, I'm going which to is butcher o- the French name, which is obviously no the butcher's intended. yeah, which is obviously um, the butcher's girlfriend. Yeah, basically. <laughs> I mean, it's just out of necessity she looks almost, yeah, she seems. looks young, so she cannot be Julie's mom. We don't know anything no. about like
0: Julie's. No, we don't. Origin, I don't
1: no, or mom, I guess.
0: Yeah, we just know that the butcher and the daughter have separate apartments in the same building, um, and they keep they their don't really because the daughter doesn't yeah. really like her father.
1: Yeah, she they just like she just probably stays there for free because that's her father's building. Mm-hmm. And she just, I mean, you see her go coming and going, but I don't.
0: We well, yeah, we don't know where anyone goes. That's part of the issue. I mean, we see.
1: She plays
0: she plays uh, the bass yeah is it the bass or uh, yeah um and then he plays the musical saw yeah and they have like a, a nice duet and that's yeah one of the reasons i wanted to bring that up is you know i was impressed with the skills that dominique Pinone learned for this i mean you know i shouldn't
1: like, say like bass but cello and he plays the saw and there was like a cute part where they play together her cello and his saw and it's like obvious that they have like this crush on each other yeah like immediately kind of immediately because she um she gets sent the beans in the mail
0: it is like cookies or something it is something oh. like a special thing um yeah, it wasn't beans. It was it was like cookies or the, the breads that, he, that she was making for him at okay. the tea party thing. That and... They try to do.
1: Yeah, okay. Because she gets... I mean, we still don't know the answers, but the... I don't know if it's because the mailman just has a crush on her or just really wants her. And he's always delivering these packages to her and it's food, like beans or those cookies or whatever. And then the other people in the apartment building are, like, starving. Mm -hmm. So whenever they see the mailman deliver something to her, they want to, like, tackle down the mailman and take whatever he's delivering.
0: Yeah, like, the kids are able to steal the package away and, like, run away. Yeah. um, Yeah. uh, Louis Son is able to get it away from the kids, and then the postman comes after... Him thinking he's trying to steal the package as right. well. But and, he's just. That's when Julie comes to his defense and is like, no, it's my friend. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And then that's when she's like, why don't you come over for dinner?
0: And the postman has a gun and everything too, like like that. So I mean, that's like another like illusion as to what's going on because like it's a postman who has a gun and he's like threatening the kids, threatening to shoot the kids. He's probably. For the I mean, there's probably like, like
1: beggars and whatever the hell out. I mean, I know. It's I'm supposed like, to a Very
0: dangerous world, but right? We don't know. We don't about see how it is <laughs> outside just,
1: no. besides what's in this building. Yeah, it's, it's just, probably like nine thousand times worse. Out. Yeah,
0: most likely. I just would have wanted to see more. I'm sorry. Yeah retreading the same points over and over again <laughs> um but yeah so yeah she's like oh as a thanks let me invite you over to have some of this with me and and for some reason like okay so she's wearing glasses um most of the time but she decides to take them off for the for party him. i guess to try to maybe make herself like look, look desir- more attractive yeah, or desirable I don't know. um
1: but she's like obviously later she, hard. later she
0: says she has contacts at a different scene and i don't know if she's lying or if she did a, acquire contacts afterwards in an, un, you know, unseen package.
1: Yeah, but I don't know. Um, because it's obvious in, when they first meet up at her place that she can't see because she's, you know, pouring tea and it's...
0: And she's like, yeah, measuring out the steps. Like, okay, if I... Yeah, yeah. one, yeah. two, three, here's this One, because she can't see anything right. so yeah, you see her like try to and measure it out. And
1: she says that she has two of everything because yeah, she because knocks she down a vase and then she's like I have two of everything and then she like replaces the vase.
0: Yeah, it's a very cute and charming scene but would probably be uh, a little I think bit better in a different funny <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> like it'd be a better scene like maybe in a different movie but i mean like it still works in this one but I think, yeah. yeah if it was in like a straight comedy it would be uh maybe like a little bit better fit um so yeah like she's bumping into things and it's very good physical comedy from both of them mm-hmm. you know her trying to pour the tea and being completely oblivious and he's like trying to switch cups and you know right. like, do all this other or stuff she's,
1: or, yeah he's moving she's moving the tea Pot around, and he's following yeah. her with the cup. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's I mean, really fun. Cute. And then, I mean, he just becomes, uh, he's kind of just charming everyone in the building, like even the kids, you know, with the doing the whole bubble thing. Mm-hmm. And then he's kind of becoming friendly with the girlfriend, uh, Mad- Mademoiselle Plus of the butcher.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Because helping, helping fix the bed and then, um, she's, she's like, Hey, do you,
1: yeah. Ki- you know, she's, she was probably a dancer at some point. Cause yeah, he helps her with a dance, but then, you know, yeah, he shows
0: her the, uh, the, the tika tika walk act where he has right. like three legs and he's, you know, like switching. Yeah. Like, one of them's fake. And then, yeah, he's like switching them out and stuff like that. It's like a fun little routine as well. So, so many skills that he learned in this. Right. You know. <laughs> like, learning how to, like, blow to bubbles and put, a like, clown. smoky bubbles yeah. within a bubble and right. playing a musical saw and stuff is very impressive to me. All the different stuff that he did in this.
1: Yeah, so, I mean, he's becoming friendly with all of these tenants, but they all know that he's supposed to be their food. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, they all, everyone in the building knows that whoever is the, uh, fixer upper guy is gonna get killed at some point yeah to be
0: their meat that seems to be the overall goal yeah so I, i again i don't know when they decide to make that choice normally but it's because he's getting close to the daughter that the butcher wants to do it like now right um
1: and i i feel like the daughter i mean everyone knows this but i think the daughter automatically wanted to become friends with him because i think she was probably friends with the guy that was the previous fixer-upper guy because she, uh, when they first meet and he's talking about him being a clown, he talks about how his partner was eaten and she's like, oh, she's like, oh, that something like that happens here. Like, she's warning him, like, this is what we're gonna do to you. Yeah, like, this is
0: what this building is about. Yeah, that there's, like, rules and yes... She's trying
1: to warn him but he's kind of like oh no my partner was a monkey whatever yeah like
0: don't go on the stairs at night yeah yeah i mean each there's like a bunch of different side stories that are happening here and most of them come together at the end in some form or fashion so you have the tapioca's who are really hard on their luck they have the two kids and like you know they have virtually no money you see the dad like repairing his condom to be used yeah. over and over again like yeah one of the little things like you see like two gone. patches in it and they yeah. have two kids and so you know it broke twice and that's why you know that's the insinuation there right um and yeah, the the grandmother you have the yeah, aurora and uh her husband jean francois i think yeah oh, oh that's she- the actor's name i'm sorry george Is the the character name?
1: And, I mean, we... She's just kind of like a... I mean, we can can probably do a trigger warning because it is suicide. Mm Mm-hmm. She tries so many ways to kill herself because... Because she thinks she's hearing voices in her head. She's hearing voices in her head. But she's kind of like this anxious woman that seems to never leave the house. And her husband is... He goes out and works i'm assuming because he just comes so, and yeah he comes and goes yeah and then he's when he comes back because he, he's dressed up nicely
0: right but he's uh, still not making much money or whatever because when you know the julie says oh this is a coffee grinder he's like oh it must be really nice to be rich right so like he's yeah still he looks like he's doing really well for himself right because he looks like he's in a business up, but, suit yeah
1: And even Aurora dresses very nicely. You know, she's got, like, pearls and, Mm -hmm. like, very nice dresses. But, yeah. I mean, they... Their whole storyline is just her hearing voices. And she just... And then her husband comes home. She tells him about the voices. And he's kind of like, whatever about it. He's like, Well, yeah, he's also
0: that way about her suicide attempts, too. So, like, she sets up all these, like... Fancy Rube Goldberg type, you know, things so that like when someone comes over and rings the doorbell, it's gonna shake this thing, which will make the lamp fall into the tub. Right, and, you know, it's like this other. Or someone's gonna open the door, then it's gonna make the gun go off or whatever. Right, it is.
1: she's always making like she just doesn't. So
0: sort of like indirectly killing herself is. Yeah, goal. she doesn't
1: want to do it herself. And every time, se,
0: and every time it fails, yeah, the husband is like, "Oh, you," type of a yeah. But look. she's
1: still talking about these voices, and he's like, mm, "Whatever." Like yeah. he doesn't doesn't really care. console her in any way. No, he just comes and goes to work, and she's just at home the entire time, going nuts because she hears voices in her head. And right. but then we find out at the close to the end. That it's like the neighbors, who, the guys that are making those cow toys, yeah, like one fucking of them with has her. Like
0: a crush or affair with her, and the other one's like jealous of it or wants it to stop, and so yeah. she's talking through the pipes to get her to stop. Yeah. Um. So yeah, uh, Sylvia Laguna is the name of Aurora. Um, very very expressive face. Yeah. Yeah. You know, really perfect casting for that, I think. Um. And then you have the frogman.
1: Yeah, he just. <laughs> which I do
0: not understand his purpose other than to be another th- the... quirky thing yeah, to be in the movie. Yeah, he's
1: just like another quirky character in this. And he just lives in their basement and it's like constantly flooded. And he's got. Like
0: purposefully. Yeah, like yeah. He, he keeps. Yeah, he keeps water on the floor so his frogs can. Live, thrive, and yeah. There's snails everywhere that he eats to a degree, and then also they're just everywhere. For the, I guess maybe the frogs also. I don't know if right. the frogs also eat the snails. I have no idea. But so there's like yeah, a pile of snail shells, and you see like snails on the records and all over the place, like barnacles on the apartment, and frogs are hopping around. But it doesn't. I don't think he factors into the plot like at all.
1: He's just there, to be as another. Quirky person in this building, I guess. I guess so. And then the two kids, they kind of mess with him, but he's he like shoes them off a lot. Yeah. Because they're always trying to take his frogs. Yeah, they want
0: they want the frogs to eat, and he, he He's like, no, you can't take my frogs Yeah,
1: but he he seems to be blind, maybe, because he's always just sitting in this rocking chair type thing, listening to loud marching band music all day. And he's got these sunglasses on, but I don't know if that's.
0: Yeah, I don't know if it's just a quirk, a with some goggles, or what. I don't, yeah. yeah, I don't know. But that's him. But he, <laughs> but he doesn't. I don't and, think yeah, he cares the movie, about
1: but... the meat or anything. No,
0: I don't think so because he has the snails. That's his own meat. Yeah. So he lives off of snails, basically. But
1: and um. the the butcher guy doesn't seem to mess with him either. He's just there.
0: hmm But yeah, again, I just don't know the purpose of it. And I really don't know the purpose of the Cowtoy people either, except to have them the, part the of Aurora the Aurora stuff. Yeah. They don't really matter, aside from They're just that.
1: making... Yeah, because they're just... I don't... They're two guys that live together? Are they, like, brothers? I mean, they don't I really don't say anything.
0: Yeah, I don't know if they are or not. the character names are Robert and Roger. Yeah. But... there aren't last names for both of them so i don't know for sure um but i mean at least like the aurora plot line pays off as part of the ending Mm -hmm. so i mean i guess if you want to talk about it as a roundabout way to get her to you know have these suicidal tendencies you need to have at least one of those characters or both of them or whatever but i mean you don't necessarily need to have them she could just be suicidal in general and have these devices. Yeah, because of what's to... going on in the world. Yeah.
1: Not if... just because she's hearing voices all day long.
0: Exactly. So, there's unnecessary characters, I guess.
1: I, I think it's just, you know, another quirky thing to add. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, like, like I said at the very beginning, like, quirkiness for quirkiness' sake. Hmm. But those cow people were not super quirky in and of themselves. It's just, oh, unrequited love, and right guy. You know <laughs> co worker I mean, of unreal. Whenever they love.
1: showed these cutesy little uh parts with the um you know, like with the bed squeaking and then they do all these it's kind of like the whole building come to, coming together making their own sounds. Right when yeah, that bed squeaks. They're
0: participating in the music in a sense.
1: Like they, they do their own little cow noise thing and then you have like Miss yoga beating on her Carpet at the same time, the Mm -hmm. same beat, and then you know, you've got the bed squeaking, cow noise, carpet bang, bed squeak, carpet, or whatever. Yeah, it's like going in the painting,
0: roller brush, and stuff like that. It's like
1: going back and forth for a few minutes.
0: Yeah, so it's to add, add a little bit of flavor to the overall experience, but it's um, didn't it didn't. Produce the substance. So, again, that's sort of what I come back to. And this is, like, yeah, visually dynamic, really interesting to watch, but just not as much substance as I would have liked to see. Um, I think the whole thing with the troglodytes as well maybe went on a bit too long with, like, the rescue sequence or even the stuff that was Uh, setting up the rescue mission.
1: Yeah, Uh, I mean, because Julie wants to save Louis Song,
0: and so, yeah, she, she goes
1: to the troglodytes
0: to, ask to, her to help, yeah. So there's multiple scenes and they kind of go on a little long. It's, it's a unique setting, at least. You know, it is something that isn't the apartment building. I mean,
1: yeah, it's just more quirkiness because then they all introduce themselves to her and they all have, like, interesting names, like Fox. I can't remember, like, all the other guys. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Fox, I think, is played by Mark Caro yeah, specifically, yeah. right? Um, and
1: they all have kind of like one word names yeah
0: they have like I don't know if they're supposed to be code names but yeah mean at this point in the world but um comes across that way
1: and they they all I mean I thought they were all just you know charming in their own way trying to you know save on
0: yeah and they almost act like they don't know how humanity works because there's that like weird conversation when they um accidentally kidnap Miss clues yeah and they're like questioning if she's male or female right because they don't like as it, if they aren't also human and couldn't right. tell the difference
1: yeah julie is like uh cap here's his apartment capture he's a man and he has clown shoes like right. those are the only clues that yeah. are given to it's these like, children well, this
0: person was in the apartment so it must be him right yeah. and
1: then Is this person wearing clown shoes? Is this person a man? They're like, I don't know. Let's figure out if this person is a man. And she's like swearing at them, basically. Like, don't don't you idiots know that I'm a woman? Right. And they're like, oh, let's look at her shoes. Because, you know, Julie said clown shoes, also a man. But I don't know. I thought that was funny. Yeah, that's (laughs) a good funny sequence. You know, the troglodytes tried to save song they accidentally get Mademoiselle Plus. And, um, I mean, at this point, it's kind of like all the tenants are like, let's just get... They're all now on the butcher side and they're like, let's get Louisan because we're hungry? <laughs> I don't know. Because even she, like, um... Mademoiselle Pluse even kind of turns on him, because this is another thing like earlier on, when the little boys are messing around. They, it's just the little boys are just messing with every all the attendants in the building because you know they're bored and they're kids. Mm-hmm. And so like this one part where they take M- Mademoiselle Pluse's like underwear. Yeah.
0: <laughs>
1: and the, it kind of flings across on some light hook thing? Yeah
0: the kids throw it yeah they throw it out the window they throw like, it out of the
1: window like across apples. the street and it's on this light hook post thing and then Luisana is like I have what is called the Australian. the Australian and it's like this boomerang knife thing so he like throws this boomerang knife thing cuts down her underwear it falls to the ground and then the knife thing comes back and like, at the end of the movie, he loses... Well, I mean, he, these people, all these tenants are coming after Louis Son and he's in the apartment building with Julie, and they end up in the bathroom, and he's flooding the bathroom, so that when these people open that door, they... This wall of water just yeah. like pushes them all the way down out down the stairs like almost out the building. Yeah Like almost killing these people. I don't know cuz it's like this big torrential thing I don't know, Coming down like a, a huge wave. Yeah And in the middle of that he loses the Australian But then you see like Mademoiselle Plus give he she finds it and gives it to the butcher she's like here use this but it's like oh they were like friends
0: unless she knew that it wouldn't hit him,
1: and she knew that the thing would come back
0: right before it hits him. i don't know if that's because i thought they were actually
1: friendly with each other but then i don't know that her boyfriend is the butcher and they're hungry so i don't know they're like let's just eat this person
0: yeah i don't know it could go both ways probably I'd have to I'd have to watch the scene again and see like what her face looks like at the time.
1: I think she was surprised.
0: That that it came back and yeah, it came mushroom.
1: back and killed him.
0: Yeah, maybe um, you're probably right. Um, so yeah, because she
1: seems a little like pissed at this point. I think she's pissed that she got
0: oh, kidnapped yeah, she, she's, by the yeah, troglodytes. She's mad that she got kidnapped because of him and
1: and she's like. I don't give a shit anymore. Here, here, I found his knife. Use this. And then, you know, the apartment
0: building is obviously getting flooded and falling, falling apart. Exactly. Um, so yeah, it's kind of a lot happens at the end. It it becomes a very crazy adventure at the end, which is fine. That's not a bad thing. Right. It, It works well in the context of the movie too. Like everything, um, everything makes sense. Yeah. Uh, which is, odd to say about a movie like this but um yeah it, it all makes sense in that in that context so it, it gets crazy and then it, it nice little uh coda at the end where they're on the roof with the blue skies and playing their duet again so yeah
1: on top of this building that's like halfway collapsed yeah. And it's just, you know, all the rest of the tenants, like the, I think the tapioca's and Julie and Louisan, they're all on the roof and, you know, Julie and Louisan are playing their instruments and everyone's just happy again.
0: Yeah. Which is weird because again, uh, like half of the apartment has been destroyed at least. Right, um, But we don't know. I mean, we
1: don't know what's going to, I mean, are they going to live? What, how are they gonna live off of are they gonna be like the troglodytes and be vegetarians because you don't have the butcher anymore
0: right yeah so yeah you have like one one problem is solved but we again that's why I'm saying like the ending might be a little bit better if they could have explained more about the world to know how safe are they now I
1: think you know, they're like, just happy you know, because
0: is there a path forward for them I mean no they they fallen
1: it's a cute love story. And all that matters is that they're in love and they're happy.
0: Yeah, know? that's 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 <laughs> she probably saved his goal. life.
1: And no one really cares what's gonna happen food wise until I don't know. I mean, it could like there if there was like a sequel, it would be like all of them turning on each other again because they're all hungry.
0: Could be, <laughs> but we probably won't see that sequel. No, I don't, it's I don't fine. know if that's it's, gonna happen at all.
1: It's just you know, I like the way it ended.
0: Yeah. You know, I'm kind of curious about um, how this, you know, if there was this much thought put into the screenplay, because uh, what I read was that Jeunet wanted to do City of Lost Children first, Mm. but couldn't because it was too ambitious, too much of a budget. Um, And so this movie was sort of pitched as an alternative or, you know, was done first to give him the the attention, the pedigree, the the experience to allow him to do something more like big budget, he knew like that he Children. was
1: going to do a good job for City of Lost Children Like, like that that was his, his baby com- yeah, yeah, like he that was like his... I know this is a good film yes. and I want it to be the best that it can be yeah and so, so
0: this was created as like a lower budget alternative to be um, like here's an to introduction to, to do me to the movie that he really wanted yeah. to do uh so i don't know if maybe some of the things that i'm personally complaining about are you know as a result of i don't know how rushed this was you know if he got those rejections for city of Mm -hmm. lost children he's like i gotta put something together quickly to you know allow me i mean what he did quickly is you know amazing (laughs) so yeah i mean it still is very much worthwhile Mm -hmm. but just had some downsides to me personally um so yeah, it was interesting to see how that... I, I do want to revisit City of Lost Children now, just yeah. to, to understand that. Um, I've seen *Amelie* like three or four different times, so I mean, that that's his biggest success, I think, mm-hmm. uh, and much more of a cohesive with the and all. I think it says a lot when the actors follow directors from movie yeah. to movie to movie, and also when the directors will continue to cast the same actors from mm-hmm. project to project that they build that that kismet. Um, and virtually all of the actors that we see in this are in um, his other movies. Yeah. So. Alien Resurrection, though, I wonder.
1: <laughs> Did someone ask him? Like, hey, I, I mean, now I'm curious, and I kind of want to watch Alien Resurrection.
0: I mean, we saw that with... yeah. Alfonso. Yeah, so we saw this with Alfonso coron as well, where he had started and then was offered American gigs because of the. I mean, yeah, he did like so Harry Potter. Was, yeah, but and, I mean, and you can and tell. it was also offered a Harry Potter. Oh, that's interesting. But he said he declined because most of the creative decisions were already made before he would have been able to sign um, on, and so he's like, I can't add anything to this. I can't, you know, put my personal touch onto it, so mm. forget it. Well, so I maybe mean, that's what he experienced with The Alone Resurrection. He's like, okay, I need to do my own projects. I'm not doing this Hollywood stuff anymore.
1: Oh, so maybe he was like, they asked him to do American movies, and yeah. he chose, or I don't know, they were like, do this. But he was like, I'm not happy because I wasn't able to be me. Probably. But, I mean, with Alfonso Cuaron's his Harry Potter like the third movie Prisoner of Azkaban I can tell that that's Alfonso Cuarón
0: yeah I mean there's there's things that he can do but I mean like um, I can
1: tell certain parts in that movie I'm like this is like his vision I don't want to say his vision because it's like the Harry Potter world but right but he, I mean, he used his like little elements
0: yeah for and, that
1: mo- type of movie
0: and so yeah maybe Jeanne is just I think he was offered Order of the Phoenix, if I remember reading that right. Okay. Um, so, you know, maybe he just thought, I couldn't add enough, I couldn't, you know...
1: I mean, Order of the Phoenix gets a little, like, depressing.
0: Oh, I mean, we get to... That's, yeah. This is Harry that's Potter other, talk. That's a whole other podcast, probably. So he probably,
1: like, I don't know, because I think that's the part where, like, Harry had to, like, write into his own skin, and that's whatever... There's no like quirkiness that can be done in that movie. Yeah, that might I mean. have been his. And he's like, I don't want to do that. Right. He could have done like the fourth one, but no, I know they probably have they people might not have offered it, set it to up.
0: him, Yeah. All right. <laughs> so he's he instead he did stuff like a very long engagement and like Mick Max a couple of years back or oh my god almost a decade back now. But that, that that's what he's been doing since is continuing to do his own things. Um, I mean, I'd
1: rather him do his own thing because I I like this, like, sense of humor quirkiness.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Hopefully we'll see more of his stuff come over across the seas, because I don't think it all does. Um, but I only did, obviously, but... I do,
1: I mean, looking at his credits, he has a movie that's supposed to be coming out for, it says it's scheduled to be released this, in 2021 on Netflix. It's called Big Bug. Okay. And it has... Dominique Pinon. Yeah, has been it. known. Pinon's in everything,
0: including yeah. Alien Resurrection. He's in that too. Oh, so he's been in absolutely everything. A couple other cast members I do want to mention really quickly. is uh, Jean Claude Dreyfus. Dreyfus. Did mm-hmm. we land on that? Who played the butcher? Um, he was. He had a little bit of American crossover. Most of these actors, actors and actresses stayed in France and and worked there. So I don't know much about that world of cinema and and you know unless there's like a crossover appeal i didn't see a whole lot that came over to the states um but dreyfus was in uh cheech and chong's the corsican brothers <laughs> okay <laughs> and he was also in the adventures of pinocchio starring uh jonathan taylor thomas's voice uh, oh that, that we watched like a uh, couple years okay. back <laughs> um like uh, as who
1: though <laughs> he was
0: like a foreman he uh, had a small right. part but still he was in there so he's i he,
1: mean that. I can understand because that area, I mean that atmosphere is very. I don't know. I don't want to say French, but just European.
0: Yeah, maybe they shot it in France. I don't know, um, but he also has like you know he has a very expressive face. He has a very you know yeah camera friendly face. Um, so uh, a couple other people I want to talk about really quickly, and then we can move on to awards talk. Uh, Darius Khondji was the cinematographer. Uh, he is Oscar nominated for his work on Evita. Uh He was Caesar nominated, so that's like the French film awards, the you know the most prestigious French film awards. He was nominated for City of Lost Children and Amour. Uh, so hmm. he, he did the cemetery for that. Independent Spirit nomination for The Immigrant and Midnight in Paris. And he's also worked with David Fincher on Panic Room and Seven. So he's he's been around and, and does a lot of a lot of uh, solid work just like he did in this one. Uh, but my big pausing on the credits for this episode is Howard Vernon, who played the Frogman. Okay. Uh, he has been in quite a few French films. I think he primarily lives in France. He was, uh, I believe, Swiss origin, born in Switzerland. Okay. Um, so he is in things like Babla Fembleur. But he really cut his teeth on a lot of uh, exploitation horror type movies so he's been in stuff like a thousand eyes of dr mabuse the he was the lead character he was dr orloff in those movies like the awful dr orloff um he's played uh characters in a couple of the older zoro movies from the 1950s and 60s um he's in stuff like He's played Dracula before, uh, including in a movie called Dracula, Prisoner of Frankenstein, which sounds really interesting to me. Mm -hmm. Uh, He's, uh, again, like sort of like these exploration movies, Erotic Rites of Frankenstein, Virgin Among the Living Dead, um, and and things with titles along those, you know, definitely meant to sort of titillate the senses is is what he had really been heavily involved in. And he also uh, played Nazis in a lot of movies as well such as uh, playing Dr. Mengla in Angel of Death. Um, so he has a long storied career, and this was near the tail end of it because he passed away in 1996 at 88 years old. So key figure in the, uh, the cult and horror movie uh, genre, of the 50s and 60s. On to awards talk. There were a few for this one. Most of them came from the the Cesar Awards, Uh, but it was also BAFTA-nominated for the best non-English film. Uh, I didn't actually look up the winner. This released in most of the world in 1992, and so uh, the winner would not be part of our podcast, most likely, and so I didn't bother to look it up. I probably should have. Uh, On the Cesar Award side of things, it won several of them. It won the best first work for Caro and Junet. It won Best Screenplay, it won Production Design, it won the Editing Award, Uh, and then it was nominated for several more, uh, supporting Actor for Dreyfus, uh, The Butcher, but uh, he lost to uh, Jean Carmet for Merci La Vie, uh, promising Actress for uh, Marie-Laure Dunyoc, You kind of uh, the first time. Okay. <laughs> Don- Donyak, Uh who played Julie, um, she lost to Geraldine Filehaus for a movie called Snow and Fire, which I'm not very familiar with. And then uh, it, lo- uh, it was nominated for best music, best cinematography, and costume design and sound. But all of those awards went to All the Mornings of the World, wow. which we've already covered.
1: I mean the the cinematography in all the mornings of the world still like blows my mind to this day.
0: <laughs> yeah. Even though we watched
1: it a couple months ago, I mean.
0: Yeah, I really can't argue any of those. Yeah. I mean, yeah, the cinematography in this is also really good. It's good, but, but like all the mornings of the, the world the... is a big surprise at how solid and painterly it is. And also, I mean, uh, it makes sense. I mean, I hope that movie is like taught in schools or something,
1: (laughs) (laughs) like to future cinematographers.
0: Sure. Um, So that's that's the award side of of things. Uh, On to true crime of pop culture, we go. I think. Uh,
1: Okay, so this movie was released on April seventeenth, nineteen ninety one, which was a Wednesday.
0: I think the only other Wednesday we've had was All the Mornings of the World.
1: Huh. Okay. Yeah. So um I couldn't find anything I mean nothing's going to be <laughs> related to this. <laughs>
0: oh, true crime wise? True
1: qui- crime
0: wise. No, I didn't see anything future true crime maybe but not current. Uh
1: yeah, I mean you don't know what's going to happen. I, I mean turn it. I mean we sh- I was thinking we should have watched this movie first. Like this should have been
0: the first of the food month. Yeah,
1: because it's kind of like on the verge of like going from
0: horror into food i don't know yeah we probably should have <laughs> we went for the heavy hitter with fried green tomatoes yeah instead. we were
1: like let's start with a family fun movie yeah, we like, should have oh, ended
0: had a, we've had a couple of like stinker direct-to-video-ish type things let's go for a heavy hitter with fried yeah. green yeah i and... mean
1: this is this is sort of heavy heavy hitter-ish true
0: but, but not, never, not number 11 I mean, in the box office. Right, I mean, this I is know. number 154. Because
1: I was thinking, like, we should, because, I mean, dealing with, I mean, it's, they don't show pe- the people getting chopped up or eaten, but it's implied that they're eating people.
0: Yeah, they, I mean, there's a little bit of blood and gore. Yeah. Just the tiniest bit, but yes, you're right.
1: But, uh, but yeah, they're, they're I couldn't find
0: There probably are true crime stories of butchers doing humans. I mean, yeah. Yeah you probably have to do some hunting for that, though.
1: Nothing that inspired this movie to, like... The reason I looked up, like, the reason why Jean-Pierre made this, and it was pretty much like what you said, how he had to come up with something real quick. But a couple of the, like, trivia that I found about is that um, he got the idea for this movie when he vacationed in America... And he said after staying in America's hotels, he felt that the food was so bad that it tasted like real humans. Okay. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I couldn't find anything that relates to this movie that was, like, true to life. I mean, there are probably people getting chopped up, but I don't want to talk about that.
0: Yeah, that's
1: fine. <laughs> <laughs> to, for two people getting chopped up to be served as food.
0: So let's talk pop culture then. Yeah.
1: And also I couldn't find anything that happened on April 17th.
0: Historical-wise.
1: Yeah, news-wise around that time. Um, so going on to... I'll talk about music first. So the top five songs on the Hot 100 charts the billboard hot 100 as of april 20th 1991 so this was like a week before talent for the game talent for the game was april 27th i think so the number one song is you're in love by wilson phillips number two is baby baby by amy grant number three is i've been thinking about you by london beat Number four is Hold You Tight by Tara Kemp. And number five is Joyride by Roxette. And then Spar- Star Spangled Banner Watch. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> it, uh, it's number 33 on this chart. Okay. So it's up and down. Yeah,
0: it's not bad. You I think we need to like, create a full on timeline. Of, yeah, like, oh, I think
1: covered. we should yeah, we got to do like a timeline. So like if <laughs> we do Whitney Houston Star Spangled Star Spangled Banner watch cuz I know it was I think on the first week it was on, it was at 20 so far. Okay. That and, we've seen. And it's going down. That and, we've yeah, seen, yeah, yeah so far. We saw
0: 99 on that one, but that was later That was the like year. in May. Yeah. So, yeah. It's going up and down the charts. <laughs> heading, heading on down.
1: And then TV wise, on Wednesday, Wednesday nights we have on ABC the Wonder Years. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Watched that a lot. Uh huh. After that was Growing Pains. And then Doogie Howser. And then we have an episode of Anything But Love. We talked about this before, so I don't know if the days change, or maybe we talked about this for All the Mornings of the World. We might have, yeah. Uh, But that's, you know, that show with Jamie Lee Curtis and Richard Lewis, Mm -hmm. where they're working at, like, this magazine in Chicago. I I never watched it.
0: Yeah, I I know I've seen at least a couple episodes of it.
1: And then after that was Gabriel's Fire, which... That's on random days, because I've seen Gabriel's Fire on all these lists. Okay. A lot. Yeah, maybe... Like, it's just, this is a new episode, so I don't know if they show new episodes Wednesdays and then it's, like, repeats on other days.
0: I don't know. Oh, I gotta look at it. Maybe, yeah, maybe they switched the day between seasons. So, like, in, They could have, yeah. You know, the tail end of the 1990-91 season, it was on Wednesdays, and then... Like, moved it to, to Friday. Fridays. another day. Another yeah.
1: Season. And then, this was interesting. On CBS was Toon Night... And they showed... I don't know if you watched this because I watched this. And I don't know if I watched this on TV because I remember watching this like on VHS. But it was Bugs Bunny Overture to dis, to Disaster. And it was like a amalgamation of, I guess, the musical stuff in the Bugs Bunny commercial... Uh, not commercial. Cartoons.
0: Right. And they probably had like sketches in between to sort of like... Yeah.
1: But I remember them. this.
0: I probably would. I mean, I would not be surprised if we have not recorded.
1: They called it a TV movie, but it was only like a half hour of, you know, material. Hmm. And it had, you know, the classical one where the opera.
0: Yeah, What's Opera Dog? Yeah. Uh
1: That was on it. And then it was this other, the Baton Bunny, which I'm not sure of. And then they had like Sylvester and, you know, like Daffy Dog, Porky Pig. They had like each their own... Thing, i guess
0: yeah i mean but i, I remember was watching heavily this into Looney Tunes, especially me too Black-S2. and so um, but i
1: feel like this was probably like on vhs in probably, blockbuster yeah. and i probably rented it and watched it a lot because that's what i but i guess this aired on april 17th 1991 on mm-hmm. cbs and after that was Primetime Pets, which we talked about, which mm-hmm. the funniest pets, probably. <laughs> Something like that. Our best pets in the world. And after that was Jake and the Fat Man.
0: I never watched it. I never watched it. I think my parents it. did every once in a while, but I wouldn't have cared. Yeah, that,
1: I just remember that title, and I thought yeah. it was funny when I was yeah. young. And then on NBC was an episode, but it was a repeat of Unsolved Mysteries, and we couldn't find the actual episode. Yeah, we didn't so know we which one was
0: repeated, so we, we didn't we watch anything. We <laughs> couldn't watch it
1: for this episode. And after Unsolved Mysteries was Night Court, Dear John, and then Quantum Leap. So Wednesday nights... Strong lineup on yeah. all
0: those channels. Yeah. Well, maybe, Wednesday nights yeah. in 91 had Jeez. a lot
1: of good shows.
0: So we'll go on to rankings and ratings. Uh, where on your 1 to 5 star scale would you put Telekatessin?
1: I'm going to give this a
0: 4. 4? All right. So it's probably in the, the top 10 overall so far for you. Yeah. Uh, on my 0 to 4 star scale, I'm going to say it's a 3 out of a 4. Again, I really needed more
1: yeah, story, story,
0: cohesiveness, and character meaningfulness to pump it up higher uh every movie is worth watching once would you watch this again yeah yeah i would too i mean the visual stuff i would want to, yeah i over. would totally
1: want to see this in the theater cause this, you know i only watched it in school or i i've seen this movie twice once in school and then second time for this podcast yeah. so I, don't, I would like to see this in a theater
0: makes sense yeah I, I think it would be fun to to watch it again like that too um But just on its own, yeah, just the visual side of things, it's nice to to see there's a lot to look at. So uh, if you out there want to watch *Delicatessen*, as of this recording in October 2021, it's available on Prime, Digital Rental, VHS, or DVD. As always, check your local listings. You can listen to us on all of your major podcasting platforms. Please remember to rate, review, subscribe, and tell your friends. It does help us out a lot. You can email us at 1991movierewind at gmail.com. Of course, you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Letterboxd. Just search 1991 Movie Rewind or go to 1991MovieRewind.com for the full list of movies along with show notes, Whitney Houston Watch, and more. Uh, next week, we're taking a week off from the podcast, so enjoy your Thanksgiving, and then we'll be back uh, the week after to watch American Tale, 5 oh Goes West. That's available on Stars, Digital Rental, VHS, and DVD. We'll see you then. Thanks.